We are going to be praying for Julie and Haley. She announced uh, that they're leaving. They're going to be going in a couple weeks, and they're going to be flying off afar. And, uh, and I wanted Julie, if she could, to give a little bit of context to why this. Okay, because here's the deal. There, is, there are no shortages at all of opportunities for us as a ministry. Um, we get approached routinely from people who want to partner, which, which is, I understand that. Um, but we have a very, very, very intentional outlook. And why, out of all of the things that we could choose, why is this something that the Lord, I think, has placed on you guys' heart and our heart? And why are we wrapping so much energy and resource around this? If you could share that a little bit before we pray for you guys. Sure. So, so we have some very specific, just, I don't know if you want to call them for lack of a better word, qualifiers for how we do missions here at the movement. And obviously we've been invited. We've been called. The invitation came about three years ago. Actually, we start praying into it, but there's three things. The first thing is that obviously the word of God, you know, the, the truth of Jesus, that has to be first and foremost, the primary part of the mission. But secondly, we, we have, it has to be something that empowers indigenous, indigenous leadership. So in other words, they're owning their villages, they're equipping, we're equipping them, we're giving them the tools to, to lead in their own villages. Because you can have a woman in a village up in the Himalayas and it, transformation in her life can change her entire village, we come home. So it has to, has to, has to empower indigenous leaders. And then lastly, it has to be culturally relevant because, you know, we have a culture here at the movement, but this culture isn't going to fly in 90% of the nations um, on earth. And so whatever we're doing, the program, the thing, the mission has to be culturally relevant. It has to speak to the people on ground. Hence, we have to have indigenous leadership. So with those three things, we then look at things and we decide, and again, there's a million different options, but that is what we do. That is our, those are our priorities. And this is definitely one of those. So. Yeah, so, so important. What you just heard is so important and so good. For us to understand those components, uh, they're so powerful that we don't want to go and make people look like us. We actually want to bring the presence of God as worshipers and make them worshipers. And what it looks like for them might look different in other countries, and we're not here to dictate and prescribe to them. And I love the fact, Mike, you said something. This is Mike. Everyone say hi, Mike. Hi, Mike is married to Julie, and it's a little bit like holding on to Superman's cape sometimes, I think, to be fair, right? So um, she... He just... He, he's such a good husband. You see how he didn't even budge when I said that? Like, he laughed, but inside he was like, he said it. I didn't have to. <laughs> um, you guys, you mentioned something last service. I just wanted you to mention it again. I think this is important. Um, this key, you and Julie were sitting down last week, and she said something to you. And what, what did she say to you that I think it's important for all of us to hear and to understand? Um, we, we, were, we were just out to dinner, and, and we're walking out, and... And uh, she, she was apologizing. She's like, I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm apologizing. What are you sorry for? She's like, you're not, you don't have like a, a normal wife, you know? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm doing all these things and going here. And it, she, she says, I know, I know it takes time and it takes money. And it takes dedication. We met 36 years ago. Our 35th anniversary is in a couple months. 
We met, we, we met doing ministry. Um, we met doing ministry, and then we're going to go out doing ministry. And so we're 100% in, and when we get in agreement, then I say go. When we're not, then we wait. And um, then it's time for her to go here. And so we're just we're 100% in with everything. And I, and I just want to say that one of the reasons why I had Mike up here is because behind every, I think he, he represents, right? We don't have every family member or whatever. You're, you're a church family, but I think what Mike also represents is there, there are people, there are children, and there's husbands, and there's wives, and there's moms and dads and cousins. There's families attached. When Julie and Haley go, there's, there's, there's more behind that, and there's a support system. And Mike represents that. And, and the other thing, too, that I just want to point out is this heart to say, and this faithfulness that I've seen from Mike and Julie over the years, you know, 16, 17 years of knowing them, um, is their willingness to say yes, and that they're 100% in. That's just who they are. And I think it's such a huge testimony and witness, and it's an inspiration for all of us. But um, we're going to pray for them. So no matter where you're at, if you're in your home, if you're in your car, if you're here, I believe in this. Just extend your hand. We're going to pray for them. If you're driving a Tesla, you can take both hands off the wheel. It did, yeah, it did, huh? It's the crowd. Uh, and we're, we're, we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, I just say, come Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask right now that you would bring an invasion of heaven to every single mile that's going to be traveled by these two. Every road that's driven, every street that's walked, every corner that's stood on, every building that's inhabited, every gathering, every word, every utterance, Lord, that our prayer is that you would bring heaven to invade earth. Lord, that your word goes before them, your word lives in them, and God, it's the foundation that they stand on. Lord, I pray for protection and blessing and just a guardianship over them as they go. God, that uh, the women that are going to hear this message to be leaders in their community, to be able to take back to their families, to their homes, to their neighborhoods. God, that the impact of just reaching one, because we, God, I, I firmly believe is we can do anything one time, we can reach one person, but the power of reaching one, the power of what these two are willing to step into and saying yes, this moment, like in Isaiah, where you say, who am I going to send that these two are willing to say, send me that they're willing to go. God, we bless them. But as a family, we say yes. We support them, God, that we're in alignment with heaven as we move to support and encourage the reproduction of worshipers across this globe. So we thank you in Jesus' powerful name. Every single person said amen and amen. Give them a huge, huge round of applause. Not because of what they're done, but as support. Hey, listen, I'm going to run through some things very quickly today because I want to be honorable and respectful of your time. And I just really think it's important that we spent that moment just as a family because it's important that you guys see sometimes it's not seen going on. We talk about it, but I wanted to put real life like flesh and blood to it. This is who we are. This is what we're doing. There's no agenda. There's no newsreel that's going to stop us from being on mission with what it is we're called to do. And we're as on mission today as ever. And we've been in a series talking about just th three weeks heading into Easter this next week. 
We've been in a series just on the rhythms, rhythms uh, that we should adhere to, that, that God is saying, hey, here's some rhythms that we should participate in. In the first week, I talked about the rhythm of communion, of being in relationship with Jesus, the rhythm of community, that out of relationship with Jesus, we're in relationship with one another. And today, we're going to talk about the rhythm of commission. And what we just prayed for was the commissioning. It wasn't the calling, it was the sending out. And this is important. This is important for us. And so I'm going to read this in Acts 2.42. We've been in the book of Acts and we've been talking through the different aspects of this. And today I'm going to start, I'm going to paraphrase some stuff because I, I, I want to I shorten some time. And we, I don't want to lose context though. So Jesus calls the believers, 120 of them, to wait in an upper room. They're empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is important. They're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And out of that empowerment, in verse 42 to 47, we see the manifestation of what happens when you're empowered by the, by the Spirit of God. That they were all together. In verse 42, says, all the believers were together. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to gathering together in community fellowship, and to, to participating in the Lord's Supper in communion and prayer. And then all these miraculous things happen. And it ultimately ends in this. When it says in verse 47, all the while praising God and enjoying the good will of all the people, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I would like to present to you that I think a healthy community that's in communion with God will be able to see represented people being added to their number daily. That should not be a foreign thing. But it requires us to understand something, and, and, and what it is that we need to understand is that we need to be in a rhythm of commission. We need to be in a rhythm of commission. Now there's two things we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the rhythm of commission requires a no, K-N-O-W. And the rhythm of commission requires a go. There's two parts to it. It's very simple. Now what we just saw happen with the disciples in the book of Acts in 42 to 47, it was an outpouring and it was the obedience to. It was an outpouring of what the presence of God does in our midst, that it's going to touch other people's lives. But it's, an, it's also an obedience that they were beginning to walk out their commission. Now, what is this commission? Most famously, we talk about the Great Commission in church. This Great Commission is usually uh, described in context of Matthew chapter 28. And I'm going to take a few moments today, and I really want to lay out some groundwork and the brickwork to understand what the Great Commission is. Now, I want to give you support for why I'm going to be so diligent about this. There's a study done in the last 60 days that says that 51% of the people that attend church, 51% of the people that were polled, do not know what the Great Commission is. And so there's, there's two aspects. Number one, I just want you to know, if you don't know what it is, you're off the hook. It's okay. If you do know what it is, you're on the hook. Keep doing it and become a champion of those who don't know and, and they're learning. Now, this is even greater for me to understand that statistically, the biggest portion of that 51% falls in millennials and Gen Z. That's, that's our young people. 
young compared to me. And I, I am explicitly and overtly wanting to see this young generation step into their authentic self to rise up and to be and to walk in their original design as created and purposed by God. So I'm going to take the time because broadly I know that more than half of us do not know what the Great Commission is. And so we're going to revisit this today. Now first I want to tell you that the word commission is never used in Scripture. We talk about the Great Commission the construct of being commissioned is explicitly talked about by Jesus, but the word commission is not used. So let me, let me present to you a couple ways that we see this explicitly used, this construct. And let me define first what the word commission means, because I think when we understand what commission means, we'll understand better when we read through and we talk through these scriptures that clearly what Jesus means is to actually commission us. The word commission is an, it's an instruction. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. I want, I want to stop... A commission is not a suggestion. It's not a perhaps if you feel like it today. It's not if your brand of Christianity says so. It's not if your Bible happens to say it. It is a command. It is the word of God. In fact, it came out of Jesus' mouth. It is a command. There's no alternative. There's nothing expressly that, that exempts any single person from this command. It's a duty given to a person or a group of people. It's a formal written warrant granting the power to perform various acts or duties. This is, if you want to know where this formal written warrant is, it's right here. It's the best-selling book in the history of humanity. It's called the Bible. This right here is what gives you right and rule. It gives you the dominion, the power. It gives you the authority and everything you need to know to go out and to be walking in a rhythm of commission. It's an authorization, a command to act in a prescribed manner to perform prescribed acts. It's to be charged with something. It's an authority to act for in behalf of or in place of another. We would say today that's an ambassador. So commission, again, is never expressly used as a word, but the constructs of commissioning are explicitly expressed by Jesus. Now here's what I love about the Bible. He doesn't just say to Matthew 28. In fact, Jesus is recorded in saying this and it's depicted in different perspectives throughout the entire gospels. The gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and in the book of Acts, which was written by Luke. So just like if you showed up to a crime scene that each one of us would have a slightly different perspective of that crime scene, but it wouldn't change the actual act that occurred, would it? It's the same with the Gospels. When you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, you're getting a depiction of what these, this writer of this book saw in that moment. And it speaks to, and I think gives a really great foundation. So I'm going to give you where these passages are found. You, don't ha you can write it down if you want. You can go back and read them in their fullness. I'm not going to read through all of them for sake of time. But, I, but I'm going to read through a couple. I think the chief, most uh, glaring example is Matthew 28, 16 through 20. You also find this moment when Jesus expressly says this, that you are to go, is Mark 16, 14 through 18. The book of Luke, 24, 36 through 49. In the book of John, chapter 20, 19 to 23. And in the book of Acts that we just read out of, 
in chapter one, verse six through eight. Now I'm gonna read for you Matthew 28. This is the one that most famously gets written on walls and it's on uh, websites and everyone says, and this is what it says. And maybe you've heard this before. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given to you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always to the end of the age. John depicts this moment by saying, Jesus shows up to the disciples and Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. In Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Not somewhere, but where? Everywhere. And he says that this is going to be in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's the equivalent of me saying that we're going to tell people about Jesus everywhere. In San Marcos, and Vista, and Rancho Bernardo, and Rancho Penasquitos, and Valley Santo Escondido, in Carlsbad and Oceanside, in Fallbrook and Bonzel, down the 15 corridor, up the 15 corridor. It's everywhere. There's no region, there's no place that the name of Jesus Christ is not meant to completely change the environment of. So based on what I just shared, it is very clear to me that the word commission is not used, but clearly Jesus intends for us to be on mission with him. Now why do I say on mission with him? Because Jesus has been sent by the Father to be on mission to do what? to come and to reconcile what was broken so we could be in communion and community so that we could be sent out on commission. Jesus was on mission from the Father. So that's why in John it says, as the Father has sent me, so I am doing what? Sending you. In order for you to know for you to know your commission I want you to follow this. You know your commission when you know Jesus and his mission. Because we're on a co-mission. We're partners. And you know your commission when you know Jesus and his mission. And you know Jesus by his words. If you want to know Jesus, you need to know Jesus' words. You'll understand his mission, his heart behind it. Our biggest question is why? Typically in life, right? Two-year-old. They develop this wonderful vocabulary. It usually has this word. Why? You know what the other one is? Ha! <laughs> no. I think they learn those two because they say why and parents say no. <laughs> Jesus gives us this wonderful book that we can read to know the mission that Jesus is partnering with us. He's chosen us. Why has he chosen us? This is important for you to know this. Why did Jesus choose you? I believe that every single person in life, every human is on a mission. You may not be on a shared mission with Jesus, but you are on a mission. It's born into you. It's part of who you are as a human. You, you get up in the morning and you're on a mission. You're going somewhere, you're doing something, trying to achieve something. There's something out there. For some of us, we feel really unfulfilled maybe, all the way to the spectrum of feeling completely fulfilled in life. 
And I will tell you that every single one of us were made, our DNA, were created in the image of God, who is on mission, who sent his son Jesus, who is on mission. And every single one of us shares this. In fact, if you're a follower of Jesus, I will say that you will never feel fulfilled until you're completely in partnership on this co-mission with Jesus Christ. Because it's when we return back to, when you and I understand our purpose in life, that even if you don't know God, if you don't know Jesus today, I want you to know something. Everyone is on a mission. And the authentic you, the original you, the undisputed, the genuine you, is only found when you're walking in partnership with Jesus. Because in the book of Genesis, the very first book that we read in this Bible, it says that we were made in his image and when he turns to man, to Adam and Eve, and he says, now be fruitful and multiply. Do what? Reproduce. Go out and make more of you. That is a physical and a spiritual implication. You go make more of you. And you will always reproduce who you are. Always. Are you with me this morning? So you were created for purpose. Jesus is calling us back to our authentic self as a follower of Jesus who was under command to be commissioned as true worshipers reaching the truly lost. Father's looking for two people, true worshipers and the truly lost. That's it. It's that simple. There's no in between. <laughs> so the rhythm of commission requires you to know Jesus and his mission to go, which leads us to this last point. The rhythm of commission requires a go. Mark 3, 13, Jesus went up into the mountainside and he called to him those he wanted and they came to him. Now this is when he calls the 12 disciples, okay? He says he appointed 12, there they are. And they, why? That, why did he appoint the 12? There's purpose behind this. That they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Now hold on a second. He calls them to him, to know him, so that he can tell them to do what? To go. I want you 12 to know me so that you are able to go. Some of us question, like, I don't, I don't know if I have what it takes. Pat, you don't understand. This is a great, me- this is, this, but this doesn't apply to me. No one's exempt. Well, I'm just, a, you know, I don't know enough about scripture. You don't know, you don't understand. I haven't known Jesus long enough. Listen, if you've known Jesus for like two minutes, you have a testimony. If you've known Jesus for five minutes, let me tell you something. There's someone that doesn't know Jesus at all. You're five minutes ahead. Your job is to go. It's this idea of my hand is reaching forward. I'm being pulled, but I'm also got my hand back and I'm pulling. And as long as there's a need to be on mission, and let me tell you something, the need to be on mission will never cease until the day we stand face to face with Jesus Christ. And at that moment, guess what we do? We just worship for the rest of eternity. Missions will cease. Worship will never. That's why the lens that we talk about is that you were created to be a worshiper, to go make other worshipers. And as long as there's a need for mission, there will always be provision and power to fulfill that great commission. Always. 
That's why Jesus said in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's why he said, go wait in the upper room. That's why the 120 waited in the upper room. And that's why in Acts 2, just after he said this, the Holy Spirit, as they waited in this upper room, the Holy Spirit comes with power and falls on them. And that's why the outpouring and the obedience of what happened in Acts 42 to 47 that I just read, that's why it occurred. And we're still on mission. There's still a need. Until I look at every single person around me in my life and I can, I can say confidently, you're walking in the authentic you. I'm on mission. Sometimes, I'm going to wrap up with this. Sometimes I think what happens is... We hear stories like Julie and Haley and we go, well, gosh, being on mission means I got to get on an airplane. I got to take a bunch of booster shots because I don't know what disease I'm going to get in a third world country. And I have to sell all my belongings. I got to live out of a suitcase. That's an example of mission. But can I tell you that the biggest mission that you're on is right in front of you? The average person in their life, John, this famous leader, preaches on leadership, teaches on leadership. John Maxwell, he says this, that the average person you can be a complete introvert, like be a wallflower, never talk to anyone in your life. You will influence 10,000 people at minimum in your life. You, one, one of you. Take a look around. How many people are listening to this message on our online campus right now? Do the math. One. Think about what it is that Jesus Christ wants to do through you as you know him, what he wants to do through you as you go with him. That we're, we're, we're born into commission and sometimes as the church, we feel like we're out of commission. And we're not out of commission. Like 2020 didn't put the church out of commission. You know what it did for me? It made me keenly aware as a follower of Jesus, a worshiper, how much the brokenness of our world needs the church right now to stand up. Because in the famous words of Julie Shecker, who is going with Haley, I love this is what this is what Julie says. How will they know if we don't go? God wants to take the very practical things about your life, the things that you're already doing, and he wants to make you today presently powerful, the authentic you. When Jesus calls these, these couple of guys, I'm going to read this. I'm going to leave us with this today. Mark 1.16 says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. It's like Jesus is walking along in your life and he's watching you as you do that thing that you just do. And you're casting your net into whatever that is. And as you're kind of doing that thing that you just, you enjoy doing, you're like, I really like doing this thing. It's what my family, in, these, in this case, this is what, this was like the family business. This is just what we do. We fish. Why? My dad fished, my grandpa fished. Like we just, we're fishermen. This is important for us to grab a hold of. This is important for you. If you hear nothing else, I want you to be encouraged by this this morning. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, they were fishermen, and Jesus says, come on. 
Sorry, I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit. He says, come on, follow me. You guys who are fishermen, come on. You guys who are doing that thing that you do, casting your net into whatever, come on, follow me. And I will send you out to fish for people. What I'm presenting to you this morning is that the very thing that you're doing in your life right now, God wants to use and to send you back into to be a voice of, to be the hands of, to be the heart of, to bring encouragement to, to change the environment of. You don't have to get on an airplane. We're gonna go far, but we need to know that God is also wanting to reach near. How will they know your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. You know that person that rings you up at the local market. Sometimes you kind of get this vibe that maybe they're, they're having a good day, but it could be better. And maybe even some conversation is bridged and you realize, I don't know if this person is living in the authentic purpose, fulfilled life that Jesus Christ has created for them. And how will they know if you don't go? There is one that God is asking you right now to reach. And behind that one, there are 10,000. Imagine what would happen if we walked through life and we saw everyone, if we were able to see the 10,000. God sees it. Imagine. It would change the urgency. And so I want to make this very, very simple. I have a couple, a couple things. One to challenge us. So why don't, we, why don't we do this? Why don't you stand? And next week, I'm going to start a series called Daring. And it's really about you living an audacious life. And we're going to start out, it's Easter, we're going to start out with the most daring life that I think ever lived. His name is Jesus Christ. What would your life look like if you were willing to be bold, daring, bold, audacious, to press past anxieties or fears or old thought processes or step into the things that you really feel like you need to step into? What is it right now that you feel like there's more of but you just haven't stepped into? Man, I, I want to see us live daring lives. Too many times we feel compartmentalized, we feel stuck in. And we feel marginalized. And I believe the enemy wants us to feel that way. The enemy doesn't want us to see our fishing and casting nets to have any power or purpose in the kingdom. And so we're going to start a series and we're going to walk through some very practical things. But this week, I'm, this is very, like, this, this is like I'm lobbing the ball. Like, I feel like Holy Spirit's like, here, I'm going to give you a lob and you can knock this out of the park. Because here's the deal. Number one, I want you to ask yourself this question this week. Whose mission are you on in your life? Because you're on someone's mission. Whose mission are you on? And number two, I want to activate this. 
the on-ramp is really, really low for this. We can do anything how many times? <laughs> and there's power in that number one then. And so we can, we can reach one person one time. We can do anything one time. So my challenge to you is to reach one person this week. Can I tell you that statistically, all the people that you have around you in your life are expecting and want to be invited to come to church for Easter? I'm giving you statistical proof. And they, now here's the deal. What if they say no? And there's this monster in your head. There's this whole dialogue. What if they say no? Oh my gosh, I'm going to be so embarrassed. I don't want to, I put myself out on the limb and I made myself vulnerable and I just feel so naked now because I asked them and they were like, no. Can I tell you what's behind that no? Because I was that guy. You know, every time I said no, I'm going to tell you what I walked away with. I walked away with an understanding and a deep knowledge that because you asked that there was a deep value that you had for me in my life. That this thing that you believed so much in, you wanted from me. That the authenticity that I saw you walking in, that you wanted that from me. So even if the person says, no, I want you to know something. You play your part in going, and like in the book of Acts, the Lord will add to the number daily. It's not your job. It's not your responsibility. I just want you to step up to the plate, because you can do anything how many times. So we're going to invite one person how many times. And I'm going to pray right now. Let's close. I'm going to pray right now in the name of Jesus that the power of the Holy Spirit in his presence, just like we prayed for, for Julian Haley, that God, you would bring all of heaven down on our behalf, that every single one of us who, who is willing to say, yes, I'll go. Every one of us that know you, every one of us that step in into the authentic person that you created us to be. And we make that invitation, God, that every word, every conversation, every street, every street corner, every business, every home, every single place right now would be invaded by heaven, that you would bring heaven down to earth. God, that we come into partnership with that as we're on a commission, commissioned to move because you're on the move. God, we just want to be part of that. We just want to say yes to that because how will they know if we don't go and we are on mission and we won't stop. We thank you. We thank you, Father, for choosing us to be partners in this. In Jesus' powerful name, every single person said, Amen.